Hey everybody, welcome to New Life. Glad to have you guys here with us. Why don't you go ahead and find a seat? That'll be wonderful. That'd be great. Listen, my name is Jeff Baker. I am one of the pastors on staff here at the church. Glad glad to have you with us. You know, I know it's summertime, and so some of you are regulars here, and I want to thank you for, you know, continuing to worship God here at New Life. But others of you are guests with us today, and I want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule to come to New Life. Now, you might be a guest down in the venue, which I want to say a big hello to all of those of you that are worshiping down there. Um, I'm excited for you and for what God's doing in your life as you worship with us in the venue. I'm also excited for you if you're worshiping with us out in North Platte right now. Uh, We are one church in multiple locations. You are currently sitting in one of four worship services that's happening today at New Life. And so if you're a regular or you're a guest, I personally want to say thanks for being with us. I want to say a big hello to all of you that are out in North Platte. Hey, listen, um, this is week six of six in our current teaching series, Core Values. And that means that you basically, you showed up on the last week. So if this is your first week with us, I apologize that you walked in on the last week of a teaching series. Sometimes that can be a little awkward. You know, like where have these guys been going? What's happening? I'm here at the end of it. Well, I got good news for you. If you go to mynewlifechurch.com, you can actually watch all of our past sermons in this particular teaching series, of which I think you're going to want to do that. Because we've been talking about core values. Core values are beliefs and behavior that you live out to make sure that you're accomplishing your main goal. Our main goal here at New Life is to strengthen your journey in Christ. That's what we're designed to do. That's what God's called us to do. And our core values are measurable and they're trackable statements of belief and action that we're trying to live out so that we can make sure we're doing what God's called us to do. So this... This core value this week is that we are better together. That's the core value we're going to tackle. We're better together. One of the things that we track to make sure that we are actually better together and that we're accomplishing this core value so that we are strengthening your journey in Christ is your life group involvement. When you're connected to a life group, it helps us to know that we are assisting your journey in Christ to make sure that you're becoming all that God wants you to be. Because in a life group, you have to do what? Life together. Yeah. And you become better when you do that. So your whole life is designed to be better when you're connected with other believers in a life-giving relationship. You are not meant to do life alone. You might feel like a lone ranger. You might even like to work better by yourself. But it only, it only hurts the rest of the body when you behave that way. You were designed by God to need others. And there's a lot of things in this world that you should never do alone. Have you ever tried to do something alone, by the way, that you got it into the middle of it and then you quickly realized, wow, this is over my head. I probably shouldn't be doing this by myself. I probably need help. You ever been in a situation like that before? You ever been carrying something, you know, too heavy by yourself and realized I really need some help, like a guy carrying a couch? You should never do that. Never try to carry a couch on your own, you know? I mean, you should call someone else. You just pick up the phone. Call somebody in the church. Not me, but call somebody. (laughs) And they'll come help you move the couch, right? But especially if you got someone in your life group. But never move a couch on your own. That's one thing you should never do. There's some other things you should never do on your own. Such as, you remember that game a long time ago when we were kids? Battleship. You should never play Battleship by yourself. 
it's just weird. You, you know where you put the ships on the other side. And so when you yell out C3, you're like, oh, you go around the other side? It's a hit. Oh, that's great. I mean, if you're going to play Battleship by yourself, please play it indoors. Don't play it out in public. And if you are playing it out in public, please don't claim that you're a part of our church. All right? Would you do that at least for me? There's some other things you should never do by yourself. All right? Listen, pay attention. You should never sing a duet by yourself. I know that should be logical, right? But don't ever find yourself in that goofy situation where you got the microphone and you're at some karaoke event and you're going to sing both the male part and the female part. It never ends well, all right? Never, ever do that. Never push your car, if it's stuck someplace, never push your car on your own. Because immediately when it gets rolling, then you forget about the fact there's no one steering it and you got to jump in. And you'll end up in a situation like this. I don't want to see that for you because I love you. And I don't want your car to end up in water with you standing there going, I pushed it myself. So don't be that person. All right? Nor should you be the person that tries to watch 10 kids by yourself. Don't do that either. Because you're going to end up looking just like her. And that's not what I want to see for you. You're not designed to do that. Nor should you ever commit yourself to tug of war one person against 20. Don't do that either. You're, you're never, it's never going to end well. There's so many things in life that you were never designed to do alone. And let me tell, tell you what one of them is. It's your Christianity. Your pursuit after God was never something that was meant to be done alone. That's, that's one of the powerful pieces of the church. Is when individuals that are seeking God, full of his spirit, come together, the power of the church comes alive. And there's things that we can do together that we would never even dream of doing by ourselves. And the larger that new life becomes or the larger any church becomes under the proper leadership, the more impact it can actually make on the kingdom. And that's the kind of church that we're wanting to have here. We don't want to be a church that robs God. We want to be a church that teams up with God to advance his kingdom in our day. That's why you hear us say things like this. We are one church in multiple locations. Now I know you might not know of any other churches around the central part of Nebraska that are one church in multiple locations because most churches in the central part of Nebraska, in fact, in the world are one church in one location. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that God has called us here at New Life to uniquely be one church but in multiple locations. And that's why people today are out right now worshiping in North Platte and they're worshiping down in the venue. And we're proud of them because we are all part of one group. We're all part of one church. And there's things that we can do together that we would never be able to do alone. Like this weekend, we had 30 teenagers and and adults out in North Platte on a missions trip. They left on Thursday, they're there today. Many of them are right now in North Platte serving in the nursery, children's ministry, you know, on the worship team. And they're just helping out at that, at that location of ours this week, you know, in those 30, they went out and they did a, a mega sports camp for the very first time. You got to remember, we just opened the doors to this church in September. It hasn't even been open a year and it's already averaging, you know, that 113, 115 mark. That's pretty exciting. But we, we did our very first you know, summer outreach to kids, like a VBS. We had 25 kids show up. That might not sound like a lot, but it's a brand new record for us because it was the first year. So <laughs> we broke the record from last year. All of you guys that care about numbers, 
It's amazing. I mean, the growth from last year, zero to 25, that's incredible. I love that. I love that. That's right. You got to celebrate them when you can. All right. This group though, they, they canvassed the community of North Platte. They put out 1700 flyers on doors the past couple of days advertising our church, but also inviting people to come out to a park where they were doing this bounce outreach, where we bounce into a park and for an hour we set up these inflatables and these carnival games and we do all kinds of fun stuff and it's totally free, you know, for families and kids to come and then someone shares their testimony and at the end of that we just tell them, hey, listen, if you're looking for a church that's going to love you right where you're at but not leave you there, if you're looking for a church, you know, that's going to come alongside you and help you become all that God wants you to be, if you're looking for a church that worships Christ and is going to help you worship Jesus, you need to come to, to New Life North Platte. And they did that. 350 people showed up to their outreach events. I think that's pretty exciting in North Platte. Yeah. Way to go, guys. Way to go. Way to go. Those guys are out there right now, and I'm so proud of them. So thank you for going. All around New Life today, you see people with green shirts on. Um, these are their outreach shirts because we've got a whole group of people that are getting ready to go serve this week, even in Kearney. We do missions trips to our own town. We don't just take missions trips to the end of the world. We start right here in Kearney and in North Platte and we go out from there. I want to encourage you, be a part of one of our missions trips serving right here because we are better together. So from a biblical perspective, what does it really mean? Where does this core value, we are better together, where does it really come from biblically? Because as a church called New Life, we want to make sure we're building the foundation of who we are off of God's word, not just off of a group of creative people that come up with creative statements. So biblically, what does it mean that we're better together? Well, you need to understand that we form one body. We form a body. Like I have a physical body. The church is also a spiritual body. And so just like I have, you know, two arms, two legs, two hands, you know, one head that, you know, I know that you might not, might not believe it and, or it might seem like a miracle, but one head that's screwed on straight and one mind that actually does think clearly that we, we also have those components inside of our church. In fact, Romans talks about this in Romans chapter 12. Take a look at it with me. It says, just as our bodies have many parts, which is what I was just referring to, and each part has a special function, so it is with, look, look at this, Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. That means that new life is a living and a breathing entity. It's alive today. This is not a dead, organized Church, this is a church that's alive, and each and every single one of you help it to be alive. And together, we are forming this one body. So, has your body ever been hurt, or has it ever been sick before? Of course it has. But have you ever, if you've ever had something significant take place, such as maybe for a while you lost your sight, you know, from something that took place, Wow, you would instantly find out that when, if you lose your sight, like maybe some people that are listening to me are wrestling even with that ailment right now, they, they would be able to tell you how difficult life is when you lose your sight. How you used to be able to run and now you have to walk very slowly. How you used to have confidence of where everything was at, but now you, now you don't. You know, what would happen for you in a physical sense if you lost your sight? 
What would happen for you? You know, if you, we have an agricultural community. My grandfather, you know, was a farmer as well. And he had part of one of his fingers missing. And that's a dangerous, it's a, it, it, there's a lot of danger in farming. And so what if, what if you like, you lost one of your fingers, you know, in some kind of an accident, whether it was at the plant that you work at or out in the farm or just some accident that took place. I mean, it wouldn't be as dramatic as losing your sight, but you would still suffer in some ways, not being able to grab a hold of the jar maybe as strongly as you used to, or your grip wouldn't be exactly the same. Would you still be able to get life done? Absolutely. In any of those situations, you can get life done. It's just not going to function as efficiently as it once did. And I know many of you, if if not all of you, have had a virus in your body that made you weak, it made you sick, and it basically stopped you in your tracks from going to work, going to school, or anything like that. And that virus, it just kind of robbed you of your strength. It took all the strength right out of you. You've experienced those things in your physical body, but what you need to know today is that the spiritual body of new life also can experience things just like that. You know, when, when, when we're hurt, and we, we do get hurt here, at times. And some of that hurt, uh, it also makes us incomplete. And some of that hurt and that incompleteness comes from a number of things. It, it comes from things like when you withdraw and you just, you just go missing. When you withdraw and you just go missing and no one even knows where you've been or what's going on, you need to know that that hurts the body. It hurts the body of new life. You might think to yourself, well, I've only been around here a couple of months. I know, but check this out. Why did you come? Well, I like the preaching. Okay, that's fine. I I like the worship. Great. I have some friends here. Perfect. But what you need to know today, the reason why you're here is because God's spirit is drawing you to himself and he's using a vehicle called new life. God's doing it. God's drawing you to himself. He just is using this vehicle. So when you go missing... When you just disappear for long periods of time, you need to know something. We hurt. It's like us. For some of you, we lose our sight. For others of you, it's like losing a digit. But either way, it it affects us. And we're we're hurt. And we're we're incomplete when some of you, you just decide, you know what we're going to do? We're we're just going to walk in late and we're going to leave early every week. Oh, we're going to, we're going to be here. We're going to warm a seat, but we're going to come in late and leave early. I want to tell you something today. You might enjoy that, but you're robbing us. You're robbing us from a relationship that we can build with you. You're robbing us from the best of getting to know you and really understanding how you fit in with what's happening here. Don't be one of those kind of people. Let me challenge you today. If anything, come early. Drink some coffee. Have a donut with some people. Get to know them. Stick around a few minutes and actually invite someone else out for lunch afterwards. Not every week, but periodically at least. And join a life group. I mean, come on, when you join a life group, man, you instantaneously take a church that is one church in multiple locations, one service that, uh, one church that has four worship services, and you, you nail it down to like 10 or 12 people that you can really get to know. When that happens, I guarantee you, you won't walk in the doors late and leave early every Sunday. Oh, you'll have to some Sundays because your schedule demands it. But you'll want to build relationships. But we get hurt and we're incomplete when we behave in those kinds of ways. We get hurt and we're incomplete when when someone refuses to forgive another person in our church. 
When they purposefully go, well, that's it. I'm never attending the main auditorium anymore. Can't believe that person even attends this church, whether they live, the way that they act. I'm going to attend the venue. When you hold a grudge against someone else and you don't forgive them, we as a church become incomplete and we are hurt. Let me just tell you something. If that's where you're at today, get over it. We're not perfect people. There is no Christian on this planet that's a perfect person. Should you recognize the fact that if you call yourself a Christian, that you're supposed to be living your life Christ-like? Yes. Should you, when you fail to live Christ-like, step up to the plate and repent of that to God and to others? Yes. But are you going to be perfect? No. So we need to forgive. We need to move beyond it. We need to be spiritually mature enough to go, you know what? People are not perfect. I'm going to go do my own thing, but I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to let it go. Because otherwise, it's like a cancerous virus that penetrates into a church. Now, thankfully, I don't know of anything like that that's going on right now. But I know this, Satan is knocking on the heart of many of you to you know, step into that type of temptation. And he's constantly doing it. And it's one of the quick ways that he divides the body and he causes the body to be sick and weak and so that it can't hardly get out of its bed to go out into the community and make an impact. And so that's not the kind of church we want to be, right? Because if I stood up here and I took my, my right hand and I started punching myself in the face and I was just up here going, pop, pop, pop. And then I would stop for a minute and I would preach the gospel at you. And then I would take my hand and I would punch myself in the face. That would be weird. <laughs> Wouldn't it? But you realize that that's what we have the capability of doing to our body. When we wound and we affect each other, it's like taking the fist and punching another part of the body, bruising it, and then leaving it that way. But nope, we're going to go out to the community. We're going to tell everybody we're Christians. And then we're going to, certain moments, we're going to punch the other, bo- other part of the body. That's not healthy. That makes us, that's not one body. That's a body at war against itself. That's like the right arm trying to cut off the left arm. That's craziness. We don't need that, but Satan is trying to do that. You need to know today, every single one of you matters. Whether you've been here for 20 years or you've been here for 20 days, every single one of you matters. You matter to God and you matter to us. And I'm gonna tell you today, there are a ton of benefits of us forming one body. What does it mean to be better together? Well, there's incredible benefits that come with it. Take a look at Ecclesiastes chapter four. It says, one of the things is this, Two people are better off than one, for they can what? They can help each other succeed. You know what it means when it says they'll help each other succeed? It literally means they can help each other become financially rich. Now, that's not the message I'm preaching today. But that's, that's what that passage alludes to. It alludes to two people that are in a partnership business-wise together where one of the partners has a certain set of gifts and the other partner has another set of gifts, but they're working towards the common goal, those two gentlemen or those two women, they can take on more projects than someone working by themselves. They'll end up making more money together than they could by themselves. They can, they can do more together than they could alone. They'll, they will become successful. They will put a lot of money in their pocket. Now, what you need to know is that when that was written, It was referring to the spiritual condition of your heart. 
And really then what it means is that where two people read God's word and discuss it together, they become spiritually rich. Where two people get together and they discuss God's word, they become, in a way, spiritually successful. They accomplish more together than they could alone. Where are you going to find that? In this large group setting right here? No. You find that in a life group. That's why you need a life group. That's what makes us better together. When we worship together, it's more powerful. And there's some things that take place. You know, when we all gather and when New Life North Platte or New Life the venue or New Life the main auditorium, when it is full, like like the fall or the winter, when it seems like everybody comes back, there is something powerful that happens when you're in a place with a bunch of people. Have you ever been to a concert that's just been completely packed out? Is there a lot of energy there? Yeah. I mean, there's something about that. Now, you couple that with the, with the power and the presence of God, now you've got something explosive. So we, we are better together when more than one of us comes together for worship. So thank you for coming today. You're making us better together. But when we serve, when we serve, we're more, it's more rewarding when we serve on a team. I want to encourage you. Make sure you jump on a team and serve. You can go to you know, mynewlifechurch.com, click on volunteer or serving opportunities and fill out the form. Someone will get a hold of you. We want you to be a part of a team because we're better together when you serve. And when that's happening, then something dramatic and spiritual is taking place. You've heard this scripture probably multiple times, but it's found in Proverbs chapter 27. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. See, there's something that happens when we're in close proximity with one another, like in a life group, in relationship with others that are in this church. Our new life groups are going to start on September the 6th. You've got plenty of time between now and then, you know, to decide what night's going to work best for you because they'll be on multiple different nights. And I'm going to tell you today how you can find out where all of our life groups are going to be meeting here in just a little while. But they're going to start on September the 6th. And You know, you need to know that when you're in close proximity with other believers, you sharpen each other with God's word. You sharpen each other in worship and you sharpen each other as you serve together. And that, that sharpening makes you more effective for God's kingdom. It makes you more effective to be used by God. And that's the kind of church we want. We want a bunch of people that are sharp. Don't you want a church that's sharp? I mean, come on, you know, I mean, a church that is sharp with a cutting edge of watch the knowledge of God's word. A cutting edge of the grace of God. You know, the the cutting edge of taking their gift and sharing it. The cutting edge of recognizing someone else's need and going out of their way to pray for them. Going out of their way to meet that that need. That kind of a cutting edge. I'm not talking about a cutting, like an edge that they use to offend one another. I'm talking about the kind of edge that they use to protect one another. To provide for one another. That type of a cutting edge. Now, Ecclesiastes 4 has other things to say to us that are part of the benefit. Like, as an example, it says that when two people are together, they're better because when one falls, the other can help that other person up. One of the things I need to let you know today is uh, we recognize at New Life that no one's perfect and that spiritually, there's going to be times when you fall. Who's going to help you up when you spiritually fall? Your spouse? Absolutely. Your friends? Sure. But when you're in a life group and you have a group of 8, 10, 12, 16 people around you, when you fall spiritually, 
you have like a safety net of people that should rally around you and help pick you back up. If you're, if you're counting on this, the pastoral staff to do that, we don't know everybody. If you're counting on this, the large group of people that you're worshiping with right now to do that, then you've got your expectation in the wrong place. It happens when you're in that smaller group and you fall. Someone else can help you get back up and keep you running. You know, let me tell you a last benefit that Ecclesiastes 4 has. It says that two are good, but let me tell you something. Three is even better. When it's talking about the third, you know who they're talking about? Jesus. When the Holy Spirit is in the mix of it. So let me tell you something today. Oh, we, we can be better together. But we are really better together when Jesus is at the center of our individual lives and he's at the center of our church. And when Jesus becomes the focal point, then we can truly become better together in a way that impacts our world and it will change your life and it will strengthen your journey of getting to know Jesus. So from a biblical perspective, we are one body That's why we need to be better together and not at war with one another or not in conflict with one another where part of the body's excelling and going forward and the other parts is lagging behind. So be a part of this body, jump in, you know, be active, be proud to step out into the community and represent us well, you know, because you are. When you step out there, let people know that you're a part of new life. Let people know that this is the church that you go to. Let people know about the great things that happen, you know, in your life through this church. And let's draw more people and connect them to this body. So here's what I need you to do as a pastor. As your pastor, I need you to stay connected to Jesus more than you stay connected to anyone or to anything. John 15 says it this way. Jesus said, yes, I'm the vine and you are the branches. You and me. Those who remain in me and I in them will what? They'll produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. How many of you guys have watched Charlie Brown Christmas? You watch Charlie Brown Christmas? Let me tell you something when you're talking about branches being connected to the vine. Jesus isn't looking for new life to be a Charlie Brown Christmas tree. That means he's not looking for just one branch with some little bitty buds coming off of it and one little ornament. That's not what he's looking for in any church. He's not looking for us to be You know, so minuscule is that? Jesus is looking for us to be that full tree where branches are constantly being connected to it, where it's a beautiful tree where people want to come around and they want to have relationship there and they want to look at the lights and they want to look at the ornaments and they want to, you know, sing some songs and they want to celebrate together. He's looking for, a, he's looking for him to be the vine of new life where we constantly are engrafting new branches into the body. That's what he's looking for. He's looking to do that in every Bible-believing church around the world. Not Charlie Brown churches, but churches that are full of the grace of God where there's constantly room for more to be connected to the vine. We're better together only when Jesus is the vine. If Jesus stops being the vine, we stop being better together. But when Jesus is the vine, he says to us, he makes a promise. He goes, It's in that moment that you're going to start producing good things. He called it fruit. In Galatians chapter 5, it helps us to understand what that fruit was that Jesus might have been talking about. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces 
this kind of what? Fruit in our lives. He produces love, joy, peace, and patience. Things like kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness, and even self-control. This is the type of fruit that God's wanting to produce in you so that others can see it. And when you're connected to Jesus, that's the kind of lifestyle that you're starting to project. And let me say to you that that lifestyle of, you know, joy and peace and gentleness and kindness, the world loves that lifestyle. They're attracted to that lifestyle. They aren't repelled by that. Who in the world is repelled by that kind of a lifestyle? I mean, yeah, there are people that are sick. I mean, seriously sick in this world. They might be, but the majority of this world is attracted. And they're attracted even to a church that lives this way. They're attracted. And so Jesus is saying to us, I want to make your tree full. One of the ways that can happen is when you stay connected to Jesus and he's living through you and he's producing that kind of fruit through you, it will cause other branches to find their way into this church and commit themselves to the vine, meaning give their lives to Christ and let Jesus become the Lord and leader because they're watching you like they're watching me. I need you to stay connected if we're going to be better together. I also need you to stay connected in friendship and in fellowship. Friendship and fellowship. So what I, what I want you to do is I want you to look, look at someone that came to church with you today. Look at someone that you love deeply, right? And I just want you to look at them because what I need you to do is like them. I need you to like them, all right? Now look across the auditorium. Find somebody that you've, you've never met before. Please don't stare deeply into their eyes. That's weird, all right? But just look across the auditorium, whichever auditorium you're in. I need you to like them too, Stay connected, build friendships, build fellowship. Just, that's what I need you to do. Look at what John has to say. In, in the book of John, so now I'm giving you a new commandment, Jesus says. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. You should love each other. Excuse me, 35. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. I love this. Jesus says, I give you a what? New commandment. A new commandment to do what? Love each other. Seriously, Jesus? I mean, you know, Jesus, that this is not a new commandment. This is already written in the Bible. This is already something we're supposed to be doing, love one another. You know, like the golden rule, in a sense. I mean, the Bible's laced with the principles and the concepts of loving God and loving others. So what does Jesus mean by, I give you a new commandment, love each other? Let me tell you what he meant by new. He was talking about the quality of love. It's the quality of love Jesus was talking about. What's the quality of love that Jesus showed that took loving one another from here and ramped it up to there? What, what did that really look like? First off, Jesus loved you even when you had your back turned against him and you were running as far away from him as you could. Jesus still loved you. See, it's hard for us to love one another when people have turned their back on us. They've wounded us, hurt us, or whatever, and they're running the opposite direction. But Jesus said, I give you a new commandment. Love even them. Jesus said, I give you a new commandment. Follow my example. And Jesus loved us enough that he spoke truth to us. He didn't candy coat everything. He didn't water it down all the time. 
He challenged us and he spoke straight to our hearts. And he dealt with the issues of our lives. That's who Jesus is. He speaks straight to the heart and he speaks truth. That was part of raising the bar from here to here. Let me tell you another way that the quality of love, this new commandment that Jesus brought was lived out. That Jesus loved us all the way to death. All the way to death. He gave his life on the cross. He gave up his life so that others, you and me, we might have life. That, my friends, is raising the bar from here to, I can't even reach high enough. So when Jesus says, I give you a new commandment to love one another, he's literally saying, follow my example. It's a new quality of love. If you want to show that kind of love here in new life, I got a few suggestions for you. Serve each other and don't just wait to be served. That's a way to show it. Serve each other. Now, how are you going to find the needs that need to be served? You're just going to come to church on a Sunday and be in a large group of people and you're going to randomly hear about needs? No. When you're in a life group, though, you're going to find out about those needs. And when you find out about those needs, then you're able to go and help meet some of those needs. You can't meet every need. But when you're a life group, I guarantee you needs come up and then you get an opportunity to serve one another. Sometimes you hear about larger needs and you get to be a part of the larger picture of new life. But most of the time, there are needs in our church every single week that you don't know anything about. But in the life group of people, they know about it and they're meeting it. Here's another way that you can, you know, show that kind of quality of love. You can accept people right where they, right where they are at and not judge them for how they got there. Now that's challenging. To love people right where they're at, but not judge them for how they got there. That's the kind of love. That's raising the bar um, of bringing a quality kind of a love. But let me tell you something else about who we are. We want to be a church that loves people right where they're at. We don't want to judge them for how they got there, but we definitely don't want to leave them in that condition. And in a life group, in a life group, you'll find those three entities. They'll accept you where you're at. They aren't going to judge you for how you got there. And they're going to definitely encourage and inspire you to not stay in that condition of life, but to continue to grow and become all that God wants you to be. But another thing you could do if you want to show that kind of quality of love is to show love in practical ways. Jesus said that by our love, watch this, towards one another, the world outside of these doors are, are, will know that you are actually a disciple of his, a follower of his. So that means that the world is literally watching to see if the church does really love each other. And if they really love each other, then they see who? You? They see Jesus. How much of our community, whether it's in Kearney or North Platte or Ravana or wherever, how much of our community knows that we actually love each other? How much have they seen us serving one another? How much have they seen us, you know, rallying around each other, helping each other out through practical times? How have they even heard about it? Have you been telling them about what's been happening in your life? Because if you haven't been telling them, then they aren't hearing about the good news about Jesus. And they haven't been hearing the fact that you're a disciple of his. But when people hear that you're a disciple of his, guess what? They just might be drawn to follow him. So God's going, you got to show that kind of love towards one another. I'm telling you guys, we've got a bar that's here and it's good at New Life. And it's got to raise the here when it comes to the quality of our love towards one another. 
I want you to think with me. Put yourself into the shoes of the guy who goes to the bar every single day. And when he walks through the bar and he opens up the door and he walks in, you know, there's a group of people that go, hey, John, welcome. Glad you're here. We saved your stool for you. Have a seat. I got your drink already poured for you. We were expecting you. There's a camaraderie. There's a, there actually is a love that happens. You'll find those guys will go work on each other's car. They'll go to their house and help each other fix something on their house together. I also want you to think about, think about someone who's living a homosexual lifestyle. And think about the group that they're a part of. A group that loves them. A group that accepts them right where they're at. A group that doesn't judge them. A group that they can feel safe around. A group that they can come and they can just be themselves. And now we're asking both that person and the person at the bar to leave that lifestyle and come into this church. Well, our love for one another, it better go from here to a quality of which we have never seen before. In the day in which you and me live, New Life better be a church that loves that way. Or why would anybody want to come out of the world and come into a church that all they can see from the outside is judgment? Because that's all they've ever heard before. The quality of our love. That's why Jesus said, I give you a new commandment. That love is going to have to be extreme. It's going to go over the top to something you've never seen in or experienced before. And in the day and age you and me live, that's what this world is in desperate need of. They don't need another sermon. They don't need another worship service. All of those things are going to help, but what they're going to need is that quality of love being shown to one another that's so attractive that they can't find it anywhere else. That's what revival is about. So how are we going to do that? (laughs) That's a good question. I I have a little theory. Barbecue first. That's my theory. I mean, I, I know. It's deep. All right, and not many of you can do it. We're going to have to actually hold some discipleship classes to teach you how to do this. All right, how to barbecue. All right, it's going to be how to barbecue 101. It's going to start with hot dogs, how to burn, not burn them, and then we're going to go to 201, which is going to be hamburgers, so on and so forth, all the way up to a smoker. All right, we're going to teach you how to do this. Uh, we're not actually, but um, all right. But here's the deal. Picture this with me. You pull up to your driveway. Right? You get out of your car, you've worked a long day, you open up the door because you didn't pull into your garage this time and close the door behind you like you would typically do. You, you got out of your car and the door opens up and the first thing that hits you is this aroma. Wow, that smells amazing. Every neighbor we have must be grilling. What's the very first thing that happens to you? You go, I hope we're grilling tonight. Because, man, I'm getting hungry right now. I'm getting hungry just smelling this. You know, saliva starts coming out of your mouth. You're wiping it away. You're smelling, trying to figure out which neighbor it is to see if you're actually in good standings with them that you might be able to invite yourself over. I mean, the grill is going. I mean, have you ever been like me where you've walked in the door and you said, honey, we have got the barbecue tonight. Well, we don't have any meat. I'm going to the store right now. What do you want? And you changed your whole plans because someone else was grilling? Of course you have. And if you haven't tried it, it's a lot of fun. (laughs) Let me say this to you. When one of you decides to take our love from this level to this extreme level, 
it's going to cause others to see it and want to do it. My question really is this, who's going to grill first? Who's, who's going to really exercise the muscle of serving one another in a greater capacity? Who's going to take it to that kind of a level? I want to challenge all of you, be first. Be first, but when you restart to receive it, for sure, start to give it. But I would rather you be the one who starts to give it first. Let's find ways to do this so that the world would know that we are followers of Jesus and that Jesus is the king. I want to help you. I want to give you a very practical tool today uh, that's going to help you build friendships and have fellowship. It's called the city. Now, the city, we have a table that's out in our main lobby. We also have a table that's out in uh, North Platte. The city is basically this. It's a fast picture of it. It's a social media network similar to Facebook. We're not trying to compete with Facebook. Please keep your Facebook accounts. We're not trying to compete with Twitter or Instagram. But I'll tell you one thing you don't get on those. You don't get a closed, safe network where you can actually do life with each other in a social media way where the world doesn't get all your business. But the city is that tool. We've been practicing it here. We've been, you know, perfecting it here at our church over the past few months. And today is the first day we're rolling it out to you. You got in your email box this morning an invite to the city. Now, it might have shown up in your spam account, so please look at it. But you got, it, you got an invite from us to join our social media network called The City. There's a lot of things that you can do in the city. In fact, there's an app for it as well. If you get the app, all I ask you to do is... Um, when you log in with your app, please turn on your notifications in your settings so that you get notifications from the groups that you're a part of. So as an example, you'll be a part of New Life, the church, but then you can also pick which location you attend, the main auditorium, the venue, or North Platte. And that allows our campus pastors to send things out just to that group of people. But then you'll also be encouraged to join a life group on the city. And that's where you'll be a part of a group of people. You'll meet together in homes when we start them in September the 6th. But you'll have a way to stay connected with each other throughout the week. That'll be fantastic in building this friendship and this fellowship. As our church gets larger, we have to find more and more tools to help us stay smaller. Or otherwise, this love towards one another just drifts away and it's completely gone. Let me tell you a little bit of what it looks like inside of the city. This is what my page looks like. That's my little profile up there. Um, you've got a number of things that are down the side, news feeds. These are news feeds that are happening with all the groups that I'm a part of. Um, you've got things like messages where I can send messages to different people that are in, uh, in my friendship list. Which, by the way, my friendship list, if you click on friends, um, here's some of the faces of some of the people. I have 54 friends right now. Yeah. I've got more friends than anybody. Um, okay, try to beat me, I dare you. Uh, no, I'm just joking. But yeah, 54 friends right now. There's more people than that. There's 70 or 80 some people that were a part of this testing of the city at our church. And now we're encouraging you to be a part of it. But if you go back up, you can even click on calendar and you can go see things that are happening at New Life. And when you go and click on like one of them out there is the New Life United event. If you click on it, you can say, yes, I'm going to be there. No, I can't be there. Or maybe I will be there. And this kind of lets us know what's going on. Your life group is going to have, you know, certain calendar events that you can be a part of. Our life group that my wife and I have of young adults, last week, one of them put out this like event that said, we're going to be down at Harmon Park playing volleyball. Um, who wants to come? 
And so there's been different things like that that you can do. You'll be able to click on the word groups there and search for life groups. And we'll let you know once the city is populated with all the life groups, that'll be starting on September the 6th. So you can do that. You see giving, you can actually give online through the city now. Um, there's that e-Bible that has all kinds of great stuff in it, but there's also the growth button. The growth button is where you can read spiritual stories from others of what God's been doing in their life. Super encouraging. Another thing you can do um, with the growth button is you can keep a spiritual journal of what God's been doing in your life. That's pretty exciting. Other things that you'll be able to do with your groups is send a topic of something that maybe has been on your heart. Put out a prayer request. Put out, hey, I've got a need. I need to move. Or i got to move a couch. Is anybody out there that can help me? Right? You see what I'm saying? I mean, little things like that. You can interact with each other. It's a fantastic tool. We're excited to roll it out to you. It's called The City. Please respond to that email and be a part of it. If you didn't get an email, it's because we don't have your email. You're going to want to take a contact card in front of you, put your name, put your email address on it, take it to the Welcome Center in one of our lobbies, and we will get you connected. So that's a very, very practical tool. I'm not asking you to do something. I'm not empowering you to do. I believe a tool like this is going to help us literally be better connected. We will be better together by doing that. What are some of the things we're going to win as we work together on this together? What are we going to win? We're going to win a warm and friendly church instead of a church full of strangers. That's what we want. We want a contagious church that's warm and friendly instead of just a group of people that they really just don't know each other. We're going to win a church with a much smaller back door. A lot of people come through our front doors In some churches, their back door is equally as wide as their front door. People come in, people leave. That's not what makes a healthy church. A healthy church has a big, wide front door and a little little itty-bitty back door. And what makes the back door small? When we work together and we become better together, when we actually enjoy one another, when we have life with each other, life groups and people meeting one another and being in fellowship with each other. That's why our campus pastors, you know, or the people doing the announcements today said to you, please meet someone you've never met before. Because that's a part of closing the back door, people feeling connected. Help us do that. That's what we're going to win together. We're going to win life groups that are full of people that are having their life transformed with Jesus. That's fulfilling our mission. You know, encouraging your journey with Christ. We're going to win a church that's a powerful church. A powerful church with a healthy body. That's the kind of church that, we want to, that I want to be a part of. It's the kind of church I'm proud to call home. A powerful church full of God's spirit, but also a healthy body that's out there doing all kinds of great ministry. Last but not least, though, we're going to win a church with spiritual capital, ready to be invested to expand God's kingdom. That's what happens when you're better together. You gain spiritual capital that you can go plant more churches, send more people into the mission field. So many more things you can do when a church actually loves each other. You need to know something today. Jesus died for that type of a church. Jesus died so that a church, a body of believers, could actually demonstrate their love towards one another. Jesus gave it all so that we could do this. We are better together. And with Christ at the center, we're going to accomplish great things, greater things than you and me have ever seen before. But we're all going to have to strive to take our love from here to here. He gives us a new commandment. In a moment, I'm going to, I'm going to pray here in a second. When I do that, our worship teams are going to come to our, our stage. Our campus pastors are going to come to our, our stages in all of our, all of our locations. And we're going to take time to partake of communion.
So if you have a communion that's with you, I would encourage you to you know, begin to peel it back. It can be a little hard for some of you, I know that. Um, so begin to peel that back to the bread and I'm gonna invite you to stand with me in all of our locations and I wanna pray first. So why don't you stand and why don't you join me as I pray. Father, I thank you that we're better together when you, Jesus, are at the center of our lives. Lord, I know that it's through the empowerment of your spirit that makes us, makes us great. It's through the empowerment of your spirit that allows us to love one another. It's literally by the power of your spirit that the fruit begins to flow through our lives, that the, the good things begin to happen like joy and peace and goodness and kindness and self-control. Those things, they all come from you. When we take our life and we engraft it into the vine, the vine of Christ. So God, we celebrate you this day. Lord, we're better together because of you. Not because of anything we can do, but because you are at the center of new life. Lord, we wanna celebrate that today. And in all, of our, in all of our locations, we're going to be partaking of communion together. We're going to be literally talking about and consuming the, the bread that represents your broken body. And we're going to be drinking of this juice that represents your blood that was shed on the cross so that our sins might be forgiven. Thank you for doing that. If, without this sacrifice that we're going to celebrate today, we're never better together. In fact, we don't even have new life to church. Jesus, thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you for your broken body. And thank you for your blood that was shed. That we might follow you, and surrender our lives to you. And be a church, one church in multiple locations that is transforming its world around it. Thank you for that opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen.